What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Today is a bit of a follow-up on the previous episode about building dashboards. Uh, check that one out first if you haven't already. Today, we're taking this kind of a step further and talking about data models and the limits of building dashboards. Uh, this is kind of a typical stance when it comes to designing a dashboard. Uh, JT, correct me like what you think here, but like it is best to focus on the ideal scenario and like worry about the practicalities of implementation later. Like uh, this is what I want my dream dashboard to kind of look like. And, you know, I'll worry about how it's built later. Yeah, I'll dream about it. The ops team will build it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this approach may seem appealing at first. And we kind of like talk about that a little bit in the last episode about like building a prototype and like uh, nailing it down like after you've got like a long list of metrics but um, it, it basically like it, this approach allows designers to imagine and kind of create without constraints but having worn this marketing operations hat for several years in my career now I've become a big uh, hater of this uh, stance if you will so here's my thesis for for this episode here's the today's main takeaway I believe that understanding how a dashboard is powered, how it's built, and having a sense of what is possible and what is not based on your current company's capabilities is a crucial differentiator as a marketer. Too often, I've seen these like dashboard projects built in a vacuum, completely disconnected from the reality of the data systems that support them. And in these cases, valuable time and resources are in some cases just like wasted building this idealistic dream dashboard that can actually be implemented by your data team or in some cases, if you're in a startup by yourself effectively. So today we're kind of going to be breaking down how you can level up your knowledge uh, about data models and the capabilities and limitations of the data and the systems that support your current infrastructure to build a dashboard. And as a marketer, uh, hone in on this idea of designing solutions that are feasible and effective. So like I, this is helpful and, and it was, was would have been super helpful for me when I was at Clipfolio and like my early days at Close. By understanding these constraints, designers and marketers can create dashboards that are not only beautiful and engaging, which is what everyone thinks of when they think of a dashboard, but also practical and useful. I feel like this topic gets hairy so fast. I mean, just the title of it, if you're depending on what part of marketing you're in, you're thinking data models, like what have I got myself into now? Um, but like, I know we're going to break this down for listeners, but it would be fair to say that like really understanding like the takeaway, just to recap it, is understanding your data, your limitations allows you to understand what kind of story you can tell with your data. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And like, as you're building this story, like knowing that like, all right, even though like I'd love to have like lead scoring in this dashboard, like it's not possible today because that data source isn't formatted or structured in a way that allows me to like bring it and implement it in this dashboard. So kind of like making it a bit more practical than like this idealistic version of how a lot of people design dashboards. Gotcha. Gotcha. So why don't we break down some definitions? Um, what's a data model? Yeah. So like put simply, um, the way I explain it is 
a data model is just a way to organize and structure data from different sources in a way that's consistent and useful. And it, it, like mostly it's applied to, to dashboards, but it could just be like a simple spreadsheet. Like if you export data out of like Google Analytics and you export data out of Amplitude, like it's not going to be the same output in your CSV files. So like uploading that manually to a dashboard is going to look differently and it's going to be kind of like rendered differently. So a data model comes in as this extra step in the middle and it helps to make data more accessible and organized so that it can be easily analyzed and interpreted without having to like reformat data that kind of looks different from different sources. Gotcha. So that would make sense to like marketing folk, but what about like, how do you explain this to your mom? I'm sure this is great dinner table conversation around your household, <laughs> but how would you explain it to your mom? I don't, I don't, I don't think my mom would ever ask me what a, what a data model is, but if I had to explain this uh, to my mom, uh, I like one simple example of a data model is like a phone directory, like your phone book. Um, the data model for a phone directory would include uh, a bunch of data points like names, contact information of individuals, uh, relationships between family members. Um, and this idea of the data model is organizing this information in a consistent and structured way. So your phone directory can be used easily to kind of like look up contact individuals see their addresses and like it's kind of combining a couple of data sources together so the data model helps to make the information more accessible and useful in a way gotcha gotcha so why don't we jump into a marketing example um, yeah, I'll, I'll go to like email marketing, uh, kind of my bread and butter a little bit here. Um, like a simple example for, for email marketing of a data model might include, uh, information about the email campaigns that the email campaigns that you're sending out. So, um, they might have been sent to different segments of your audience. So let's say like your data model might include data points like the subject line in your email, the type of content that you're sending out in your email. Maybe you're using UTM parameters and you're using content type. So when people click through and they land on your site, you can kind of see like what type of content they sent, uh, they came in from. Um, subject line keywords, so not just like full out subject lines, but just like um, if you've got like a theme that's kind of consistent uh, in your subject lines and then like maybe the main call to action that kind of differs from email to email. But then you would also have a separate source of data um, that maybe comes in from your automation reporting tool that would give you the results of those campaigns, like open rates and click-through rates and how many of those people went on landing pages and how many converted to free trials or uh, like paid users or whatever. So by organizing and structuring this information in a consistent and meaningful way, the data model can help uh, your email marketing team, in this sense, track the performance of the campaign and identify certain areas. So for example, the data model might show that certain subject lines or certain content types within your email don't generate as many opens as some of your other emails, but they actually perform way better at driving clicks and conversions to your website. And so your team can basically use that information to kind of optimize future campaigns. It's interesting as you're talking about that, like I was kicking back to my marketing operations days as well, like a whole, a whole bunch of what we do 
uh, in the marketing pipes is making sure that there's good data in the system, right? Those questions that inevitably come down, like, you know, who clicked in that email and why are, you know, who's converting from that? That information doesn't necessarily just like pop out plug and play from these systems. You don't just hit a button and then magically you have all the answers to your marketing problems. Like you actually have to spend a lot of time structuring your data uh, behind the scenes and making sure that you've got, like you mentioned, content type. Like having some kind of naming convention, for instance, allows you to then build out a data model and uh, really get into some interesting data collection as well. So very interesting topic. Um, Phil, you've been talking a lot about dashboards throughout this whole series and, and now with the data model. How does understanding your data model unlock you to be able to do things like interactive dashboards, dynamic dashboards, and so on? Yeah, so that's basically like the application of the data model, right? Like focusing on how the data sources are kind of like pushing data. Maybe you're using a CDP before it goes to um, your dashboarding tool, but this it's how it powers uh, an interactive dashboard. So like to me, um, an interactive or like a dynamic dashboard, like call it what you want. It's simply being able to kind of interact with the charts and the elements um, that are kind of on the screen for you. And you can analyze different parts of your dashboard and using filters or kind of like slicing it up, for example, um, filtering like by lead score or filtering by subject line. If you're looking at an email dashboard, changing date ranges, like a lot of your like uh, GA3 dashboards and reports are kind of like static, like here's how many visits you had in the last two weeks or the last like six months. But like the the dynamic dashboard element is just like there's a time frame or a date range at the top right corner and you can decide what that is and compare it from like uh, one time zone to uh, to another. Yeah, I think that's what sets thing uh, dashboards apart from reports in a lot of ways. Like static reports are questions that are frozen in time that you're going to ask every month. You're going to ask at a certain interval of time period. Yeah. Where dashboard is has a bit more exploratory, uh, almost like a, a personal assistant or a virtual assistant that helps you guide. Like as you're talking, I think we can concrete concretize some of the examples around data models with like yes, filtering you know, segmentation, these are the things, dimensionality, like these things enable you to drill it down into the data. And that's what a data model is really about supporting, right? And identifying where you need to build out more data or within your data model. Um, unlike a static dashboard or report, which shows the same view for everyone, an interactive dashboard lets different users explore the da data in different ways. But mm -hmm. that also has implications in terms of the data model as well. Like, what am I looking at here? So what's a simple example that most folks would understand? Yeah, I think uh, like one of my favorite dashboards uh, back to my days at Clipfolio was our sales leaderboard dashboard. And um, so like imagine a sales manager who needs to understand the performance of her team uh, across different regions or maybe different product lines or different like sales reps. With a static dashboard report, like there might be this like static report on, you know, the same view for, for everyone in the sense, no way to kind of like filter or drill down on the data, but with an interactive dashboard that's powered on top of a data model, that's kind of bringing in sources, uh, data sources from different spots, um, your sales manager, she could easily select regions and, and break down her kind of like total sales, total leads, uh, total closed deals or opportunities, one, like whatever her metrics are, she could break 
those down by regions. Uh, she could break it down by individual reps to kind of have this leaderboard to see who's kind of like closing more deals in, in the last quarter or the last month or, or whatever. So she, she can even like save uh, her kind of like custom views and, and share them with the team so they can all see the data in, in the way that's the most useful to them. So in a way, like if, if you're a data analyst or yourself, you're building a, a dashboard that has like sad static views or static filters, um, you're kind of like limiting your viewers or the ones digesting the data into being able to kind of like explore it and, and analyze it and kind of like slice it up. So uh, a dynamic dashboard is just a fancy way of saying like you can go from metric reporting to data exploration and analysis. Yeah, I don't think you want your dashboards to be received by silence. I think you want people to, to poke away at them, right. uh, play with things and ask lots of different questions. When we're talking about data models, and I might be skipping ahead a little bit here, Phil, but I wanted to kind of broach the subject around combining data models, right? Like in dashboards, like we've sort of been on examples where it's a single data source dashboards, but often cases in sales and marketing land, that's not the case, right? You're going to be combining your sales data or, you know, as we've talked about recently, Google Analytics for data, you know, joining data sources goes, how the data models go and, and how that all fits together in kind of this larger conceptual data model and dashboarding that we've been talking about today. Yeah. So the way that I would think of it is uh, like the hierarchy for, for this like dashboard building process would be you start off with a data source. So like your data source could come from a bunch of different tools you use. So if you're a marketer, you've got data coming from your web analytics platform. A lot of cases that's going to be GA4 for a lot of people now. It could be Amplitude. Um, it could be like segment if you're using a CDP and, and pushing data from, from a bunch of different sources could be amplitude. If you're just like doing event tracking on top of your product, um, like data sources are kind of endless, uh, right. We're not even talking about like paid ad sources. So like Facebook, Instagram, like all those data points coming in from there. So like, how do you kind of like combine all those sources together to have a dashboard story? Um, the middle layer there, before you get to a dashboard is this idea of a data model that kind of allows you to structure all those different data sources into a similar type of format and oftentimes having this kind of like unique identifier between people uh, when you're coming from GA and, and, and paid ad sources it's not always possible until you get to a conversion point mm -hmm. and you can use like email in a lot of cases as this like unique identifier so like you track that email down from what they did on your website or how they came in from a paid ad and then you can see what they did in a product, um, how activated they were, if they signed up for a free trial, uh, if they ended up conversion, uh, converting when they converted and stuff like that. So um, that's essentially the process there. So like data source is number one. Um, if you're using a CDP, that would kind of be number two. Uh, if not, it's kind of like this idea of a data model as, as number two or 2.5. And then it goes into to your dashboard and you kind of like pick and choose uh, what um, that kind of looks like and, and the story you're trying to tell with all these different sources of data. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to hear you talk about like the idea of when you're joining, you need these common data elements like email or like user ID, like that would be how we would try to accomplish this with Google Analytics 4 and like a HubSpot or a Marketo, right? Generate right. a user ID. When somebody makes a conversion event, fills out a form, boom, it's there on Google Analytics 4. It's also there on the HubSpot record. Now, when you ask me the question, 
you know, how many leads did I generate and from what sources I can start to answer these questions with a lot more certainty. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it does <clears throat> for us as operations minded people, you can also feel like there's a to do list that comes out of these types of conversations yeah. like, oh, shit, like I need to get user ID tracking set up so that I can really understand like my you know, marketing sourced pipeline or marketing influence pipeline and, and really get those numbers out of my, you know, advertising platforms. Um, so yeah, like really interesting uh, uh, stuff to talk about here. Yeah, a lot of this is easier said than done, right? Like I've been at different types of companies where like not all of this has been set up at all. Like at close, we, we, we had a CDP. It was like working really well. Segment was kind of like tracking and, and ingesting events from a bunch of different spots. But um, it's this wasn't the case at every startup that I was at. Like a lot of the startups like don't have a CDP. And so you're kind of like wondering, how am I going to do this like identity resolution, right? Like someone is using cross devices on my site and we can get into like multi-touch attribution there, but that, that's a whole other topic there. Like I feel like a, a good way to break it down uh, for the audience here would just be like a, a practical uh, example of how to understand uh, your data model and, and how to kind of power a dashboard. So uh, let me use uh, an example from my time at, at WordPress.com. Let's say we have two main data sources, okay? So there's signups from your product or your website. So someone signs up for your product and, you know, maybe they tell us the use case, what kind of website they're building. Um, maybe we're doing lead scoring to see how active they were on the sites. Uh, if they came in from a certain page, uh, if they came in from a paid ad, we, we kind of have data on like how to score them based on like what they started. Or we have data that tells us like people that say they're building a professional consulting website convert better than people that say they're um, like a solo entrepreneur and they're like building a photography website or a restaurant website. There's a lot of different use cases for, for WordPress, but um, let's say that's one of the, the data sources like signup events and, and why they're signing up. And then maybe your second data source is email events from your marketing automation platform. So once these people sign up for your product, you're sending them emails. So your MAP is telling you what the email name is, um, what the engagement timestamps are. So when someone opens the email, clicks through on it, uh, if it led to a conversion events, there's all of these timestamps that get kind of thrown in there. So at WordPress, we kind of had this like internal CDP that was tracking what everyone was doing on the website and then the product. And we were also ingesting and, and pushing data from email in that as well. So two data sources kind of combine in one CDP, but in a lot of cases, you know, some people might not have a CDP, so you can still use a data model as this like secondary step before you push data in. So how can we kind of like structure this data to potentially join it together is like the question that we were talking about, right? Um, in a lot of cases, it's going to be email or, or user ID and easier said than done in, in some cases. But when someone signs up for your product, they're usually signing up with an email address. And when you're sending them an email, like you're sending them an email to that email address. So that's like your um, way of joining the two data sources together. And then in order to kind of like segment and filter your dashboard metric based on like um, how engaged was a certain like use case picked audience in receiving this type of email, 
that's how you would join uh, that data together. So, you know, obviously this uh, kind of a quick example here, but it's also going to be very different at different companies based on what stage you're at and what your data strategy is. But um, I think it's a super uh, powerful thing to understand for, for marketers instead of just like reporting on how are Facebook ads doing? It's reporting on how are Facebook ads doing that are leading to product conversions that are leading to paid conversions and what is the revenue we're driving from paid ads? What's the revenue we're driving from a certain organic piece of content on the website? What's the revenue we're driving from certain emails? Because some emails lead to like revenue, some don't. So um, it's kind of like unlocking uh, the entry level idea of like um, tagging certain metrics to uh, different elements and different data sources. It kind of brings me full circle back to the beginning of the episode when I was thinking like, uh, as you're mentioning all the different data sources that people could be, could be thinking about to th- think of some multi-channel campaign as shouldn't ops do this like this is a challenging amount of of work if you look at it from a certain perspective but what is the perspective you think that marketers should approach this like what questions should how far should we carry this ball up the 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 field you know when we're looking at these questions these analytics things that we want done like we understand data that's coming into some of these platforms but like we will hit a limit on like API development for automation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So where where is that line? Yeah, it's a great question. Honestly, like I think it's up to you to decide like where you want to kind of play in that. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't really know anything about APIs. I'm I never set up a CDP before. Like, what's a data warehouse, a data model? Like, there's kind of two routes you can take. Uh, one route is join a startup where none of that stuff is kind of built. Engineering is focused on the product and there really isn't a data strategy yet. There isn't really a focus on data. And as the marketing operations person, you can start raising those flags and spearheading those efforts, explaining to the company why you need a CDP, what's the value of it, what does attribution mean, like it'll never be perfect, perfect, but how can it like provide insights to help us understand what's driving revenue and, and what isn't. But, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to like learn that stuff, I don't want to like spearhead anything, um, then like join a scale up and, and join a bigger company because those teams will have a data team in most cases today. Like um, it's rare that you'll find a scale-up company that's got like uh, 200 to 500 plus people that doesn't have like some folks that are focused on data who will be setting up a data strategy. They're the ones familiar with a CDP. But that being said, it's still super useful to understand the concepts behind all this stuff as a marketer, because you're like coming to uh, meetings and and discussions with uh, kind of this like eye level site in in a lot of these terms, and you're able to like ask more questions and get more buy-in for certain certain projects and like answering key business questions that you care about. And instead of just saying like, hey, data team, I need this, figure out how to do it, you could say like, Hey, data team, this is why we need this, this, or to, to answer this question. And this is how um, we could potentially solve this. What do you think about this? How could we like kind of tag team this approach? So it's kind of up to you, really. Like uh, creative marketers who don't want to dive into CDPs and data models, like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, like I'm a lot less creative these days than, uh, than I was uh, kind of earlier in my career. But yeah, it'll really depend on the size of company and how focused 
they are on the data strategy and how many people from engineering are not focused on just the product, but also enabling the rest of the company by building data models and like ingesting that into dashboards. I think there's also a role to play for marketers, especially like wherever you are in the spectrum of marketing technology. Like if you're have a subject matter expertise on a particular piece of software, be it you know, uh, CDP or marketing automation platform or Google analytics, like whatever it may be, you will understand implicitly some of the limits. And I think that's really important to take away from this episode is that data models also represent limitations. There's a lot of opportunities by exploring your data models and making sure that they're mature and collecting the right data. Uh, but there's limitations and explaining that to somebody who has zero subject matter expertise in your, uh, in your domain, that's a hard, that's a hard one to, to focus on. So I think there's always going to be a role to play for marketers as a subject matter ex- expert, um, on this journey. So totally. And, you know, I, I'll drop, uh, in, in the episode, uh, landing page for, for this one on our site, I'll, I'll put a bunch of images so you can kind of see the visuals that kind of explain this a, a bit more, like we're talking about like filters and segments and in your dashboard and how that's kind of powered. I've got a couple of examples there, but I, I guess like the, the, the takeaway that we want to kind of reinforce here is that like, ultimately our thesis is that even understanding some of the basics of data models will help you get a better grasp on what are the limits when it comes to building potential dashboards or working with your data team that's going to be building the dashboards instead of just like spending time building this like dream dashboard that isn't currently possible given your current data if you're in a startup uh, or if you're in a bigger team and like they haven't built out tracking capabilities you can save time and build something that's practical and useful instead. Yeah, think of a dashboard as a map guiding your marketing team through the data landscape. Just like a map, a dashboard needs to be accurate, relevant, and easy to use in order to be effective. However, creating a great dashboard is not as simple as drawing a map. It requires understanding the terrain, the data sources, and the models that support the dashboard. It requires knowing what is possible and what is not. I love that analogy. I think we've got a Chad GPT to, to, to thank for that one there, but... Yeah, it's, it's easy to get lost in data landscapes without that understanding and creating a dashboard that is beautiful, but impractical or engaging, but also uh, irrelevant, right? So yeah, maybe we can uh, end it here. I know this got pretty hairy, but uh, super passionate about this topic and uh, my current startup now really pumped to have a data team that's like taken uh, the mantle here. And uh, I just get to be kind of a, a contributor here. But yeah, I mean, you heard here first, folks, understanding how a dashboard is powered is not a requirement for all marketers, but it is a valuable skill that can make a big difference in your career. And by understanding how a dashboard works, designers and marketers can create a map that is not only beautiful and engaging, but also practical and useful. We'll catch you guys next time.